Welcome to the Security in Color podcast. I'm your host, Dominique West, and each Tuesday, I will bring you the latest and greatest in cybersecurity news, tips, and career guidance. Let's see what's new for this week. Hey, welcome to another episode of Security in Color. Is it just me or is anyone else experiencing these days going by super, super fast? Like, I blink, it's Sunday night, I'm watching Insecure with my friends, you know, getting ready for Monday, and then next thing you know, it's like Thursday. And I'm like, all right, cool, it's the weekend, I get to sleep in, I get to do whatever, and boom, I'm right back at Sunday night. Like, I didn't have a Saturday, there's no in-between, there's no concept of time <laughs> or what day it is, like, none of that good stuff. It's, I needed to slow down, like... I need time to slow down. I need life to slow down. Like 2020 is a wrap. Like it's a wrap for me, at least. Like we will come back to this next week. I mean, not next week, (laughs) next year. We don't turn age this year. I do not turn age this year. I will resume aging next next year. Like we're just, we're going to pretend this didn't happen, basically. I also want to give a shout out to my listeners in Venezuela and Canada. Like, so my, my biggest audience, of course, comes from the United States. You know, that doesn't surprise me. That's where I'm from. I imagine, you know, uh, people, uh, supporters, like, throughout the United States. But I also have some in different countries, and typically it'll be, like, the largest majorities in the United States, and I'll have, like, 1% in a couple of other countries or like less than 1% really in like a bunch of different countries. But Venezuela and Canada, like you guys started off at like 1% and now we're up to five. Like what's happening out there? <laughs> I, I I appreciate it. Like I'm so grateful for everyone who takes the time to listen. So shout out to you, Venezuela and Canada. I don't speak a lick of Spanish. So I speak more French, or I should say I can understand more French than I can Spanish because I took French throughout high school and college. But Spanish, I was a rebel. I was like, not nah, everybody learning that language. Like, let me learn something different. I know the very basics. I'm from New York. I know how to roll my R's. Uh, the Dominicans, <laughs> I lived in Harlem. There were Dominicans everywhere, Puerto Ricans. I have a bunch of friends. So like, I, 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 I get the concept and the basics of it. So I can say, like, thanks for listening. I can say, hola, como estas? Gracias por escuchar. I can say that. I hope I said that right. Like, don't come for me. I try. <laughs> I try. I don't even know how to say that in French. Bonjour. Yeah, that's all I got. So anyway, back to the episode. <laughs> Today we are covering a hacker who um, bribed his way bribed an insider who was working at Roblox, which is a really popular game. Like my little sister plays that all the time and basically got access to user data by bribing one of them. We have a story about a hacker who operated a massive IOT botnet for eight years just to download some videos. This was probably by far my favorite to research about because the video that he was downloading is something I watch all the time. So I, I like, I totally get it. And I remember last week when I told you about contact tracing with Google and Apple and how that was going to be revolutionary. Well, it still has the possibility to be, but it looks like health officials are saying, nah, I'm good. And I'm going to tell you why. The information of celebrities such as Mariah Carey, Nicki Minaj, Lady Gaga were all stolen in a ransomware attack on a famous law firm. 
And lastly, DigitalOcean, a leading web hosting platform, exposed customer data not because of a breach, but because of negligence. I got the scoop, and let's get into today's news and color. If you have young children, or perhaps a younger sister, you might be familiar with the super popular game Roblox. It is a game below my generation's time, but has over 100 million active monthly users. While all that data was just given away, as a hacker bribed a Roblox worker to gain access to the back-end customer support panel, giving them the ability to look up personal information on anyone playing the game. With this access, the hacker was able to see user email addresses, as well as change passwords, remove two-factor authentication from their account, ban users, and more, according to the hacker in screenshots of the internal system. The hacker posted some screenshots to prove he was able to get into the back end and even showed the personal information of some of the most high-profile users on the platform. Speaking anonymously to a journalist at Motherboard, a tech subsection on Vice.com, the hacker said he only did this because he wanted to prove a point. The hacker said they first paid an insider to perform user data lookups for them and then targeted a customer support representative themselves who used to work at Roblox as an in-game support contractor. He even tried to claim a bug bounty against the company, which is a way in which the hacker community can help companies find vulnerabilities by paying out a bounty for verified vulnerabilities. His claim was ultimately denied, and when he felt like he was not going to happen, he decided to change the password on some users and stole their in-game items. Now, this tack highlights not only the risk of insiders at companies exploiting their access to user data, but with Roblox catering to a large audience of minors, it really speaks to how hackers may access the data of children. This was probably one of my favorite stories to research, not because of the maliciousness of the attack, but because of the reason why the hacker did it. For almost eight years, a hacker silently hijacked several vulnerable network storage and video recorders, creating a massive botnet for the sole purpose of connecting to online websites and downloading anime. And I totally get it. Anime is everything. I'm a big anime watcher. Shout out to my Hunter x Hunter lovers and my My Hero Academia. But, you know, hacking is bad. I'm going to make a disclaimer <laughs> and say, whatever the purpose may be, hacking without consent is bad. Okay? But, you know, anime, life. Anyway, <laughs> the attack is being named Serials and was first spotted in 2012 and reached a, reached a peak of about 10,000 botnets in 2015. Despite its size, though, the botnet operated without detection for most cybersecurity firms and is slowly starting to disappear as the vulnerable devices on which it fed on all these years have started to age and are being decommissioned by their owners. Its decline is also attributed to another ransomware strain that wiped this malware from many of the systems in 2019. With its operations on the decline, cybersecurity firm Forcepoint felt comfortable enough to publish a report on the botnet's past operations without fear that its report can draw attention to the vulnerable devices and exploit them. The interesting part of this malware is that it was created to only exploit one vulnerability during its entire eight-year duration. The bug allowed the hacker to send a malform HTTP request to a vulnerable device's built-in server and execute commands with root privileges. 
despite a quite complicated setup to mean persistence in the hacked devices with about four backdoors, the research into this malware suggests that this was just a hobby project. The botnet never strayed from its anime video leeching purposes, nor did it find evidence that the botnet tried to access user data stored on these devices. Now again, I do not condone hacking, but I get it because anime really is life. When Apple and Google announced three weeks ago that they developed software to help fight the coronavirus pandemic, it was a big deal. I covered it briefly on last week's episode, and the idea seemed really good, assuming the privacy issues could be worked out. Together, their software controls about 3 billion smartphones, equal to about 40% of the world's population, and could make huge leaps and bounds in helping combat the current pandemic. As a quick recap, the software would silently keep track of people who'd been near someone who tested positive for the virus prompting those contacts to be tested and quarantined if necessary. The idea was to automate part of the very manual process currently in contact tracing, which public officials use to stem the spread of an infectious disease. And it really made sense. You know, cities and states were talking about hiring tens of thousands of contact tracers to manually reconstruct the movements of COVID-19 patients. But it wasn't clear how these people could be hired and trained quickly enough to be useful. So the Apple-Google software had the potential to do some of the same work effortlessly at a fraction of the cost. The announcement of this software was met with open arms from tech enthusiasts with the state of Utah accelerating its work with a New York-based social media app developer. Citizen, the developer of a public safety app, also added a contact tracing function to its application. But states hit hardest by the pandemic, like New York, California, and Massachusetts have looked carefully at cutting-edge contact tracing and largely said, no thanks, or not now, opting instead to move ahead with hiring a vast amount of people. Now, this manual approach is likely to be the model nationwide, according to health officials, as traditional contact tracing has been honed over decades in response to disease outbreaks. Doctors are not dazzled by the cool technology that comes out of Silicon Valley. And experts say that they are uncomfortable deploying untested technology during a pandemic when a glitch can cost lives. Proponents of using more technology and contact tracing sometimes point to overseas to support calls for high-tech approach in the U.S. For example, China scans QR codes to track a person's reported symptoms and movements. South Korea is another example that has supposedly had success with automating the process to gather data that has decreased time of diagnosis from 24 hours to 10 minutes. However, what both of these have in common is that they have broad-reaching efforts and very few privacy controls. For example, South Korea issued text alerts with very crude information about people who have been diagnosed and has an app that alerts officials if someone strays from quarantine, prompting a little bit more further effort than I think the U.S. is willing to go. Now, this battle is not yet over, so it will be interesting to see how this plays out. Usually, ransomware attacks target large companies that have huge amounts of data, but nothing that will result in gossip or wind up on the front page of celebrity magazines. We have seen examples of celebrity attacks before, 
when some Instagram influencers had their data leaked online, or when some women celebrities had their iCloud hacked into. But recently, a New York-based firm was hit with ransomware, and tons of celebrity data was exposed. Sensitive information for celebrities such as Christina Aguilera, Madonna, Mary J. Blige, and Elton John were exposed, as well as some top media companies such as IMAX, Sony, HBO, and Facebook. The information access included contracts, telephone numbers, email addresses, personal correspondences, and non-disclosure agreements. All are information that can be used to further exploit and be used as extortion against the clients involved. The attackers are currently demanding an unknown sum in Bitcoin from the law firm in exchange for keeping the data under wraps. Now, the law firm in question has not made a statement regarding the attack, so it's unclear if they will pay or not. But the attackers made it very, very clear. They will publish all the information online and they leaked a sample of a letter from Christina Aguilera's tour to the dark web. Now, it's clear the motive here is strictly monetary. And unfortunately, most firms don't have proper security protocols in place to help them move forward from attacks like this. Another reason why backups and annual security assessments, no matter how small or large you are, or whatever industry you are, are necessary. DigitalOcean, one of the world's leading hosting platforms, recently became the latest victim of a data breach. This breach wasn't due to a sophisticated attack. Nope, it was their fault as a security lapse left a sensitive internal document exposed to the public. Personal data of some of the company's customers may, or more likely probably, was exposed to unauthorized third parties and the company had to begin the process of confirming and notifying customers about the incident. Unintentional negligence is pretty common in companies without visibility and continuous monitoring in their environment. Negligent employees or contractors are by far the most common kind of insider threat, making up 62% of insider incidents with an average per incident cost of $307,000 according to a 2020 Cost of Insider Threats report published by the Ponamine Institute. An insider threat is a security risk that originates with a targeted organization, sometimes intentional, and in this case, sometimes negligent. To avoid this kind of incident, it is important to follow a series of important measures, one being to limit the number of users with privileges and access to sensitive information. Another helpful tip for companies to follow, and hopefully will implement later, will be to proactively monitor all activity and expose data in your environment. As they say, you cannot protect what you cannot see. Visibility is vital for security success. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks for rocking with me on this Tuesday, and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode. Please consider leaving a rating or comment in Apple Podcasts. And for more information, go to our website at www.securityincolor.com. Be sure to engage with me on social media or write me to be a part of future episodes. Take care.